I am fantasy and paranormal romance author Leslie Penelope, and welcome to My Imaginary Friends, a look behind the scenes of an author mapping the worlds in my head and making them a reality. Hello, friends. Today is Saturday, March 11th, 2023, and this is episode 209 of My Imaginary Friends. I'm Leslie. So this episode is sponsored by Imaginary World Building, Creating Fictional Worlds for Writers. It's my course that gives you practical methods for creating an immersive, engaging world that will delight your readers. If you've ever felt lost or overwhelmed by creating new cultures, locations, customs, names, races, languages, magic systems, or if you're writing stories that take place in our world and you still want your settings to come alive, then check out Imaginary World Building. You can start today with the course and move at your own pace, or you can join the upcoming cohort for weekly meetings with Q&A and feedback, which starts April 25th. Introductory pricing ends at the end of March 2023, so please sign up at myimaginaryfriends.net. Also make sure you're on the Footnotes newsletter. You can sign up also at myimaginaryfriends.net. You'll get the free world building checklist, and you'll get on the weekly newsletter that comes out on Mondays full of tips and inspiration to feed your creative life. So this week's best thing is I just found out that The Monsters We Defy is getting a second printing. This is the first time one of my books has gone into a second printing, to my knowledge. So how I found out was I'm doing this event this Saturday, actually, March 18th at Mahogany Books, and that's a DC bookstore. DC folks, local area folks come out, March 18th, Mahogany Books, with Veronica G. Henry and Nicole Glover. It should be fantastic, Black women in fantasy. So anyway, the uh, bookstore contacted me and was like, we're trying to order your book, but it's out of stock and it's back-ordered, and we're not sure we're going to get copies in time. And I was like, oh, so like, do you have any extra copies you can bring to sell? Because we're not going to have any. And I do have some of my author copies, so I was like, I could bring those for consignment. And then I emailed my agent and asking does back-ordered and out, out of stock mean it's going to a second printing? And she was like, well, let me check. <laughs> so she emailed my editor. And I guess I just assumed my agent would know this information, but she checked with my editor who was like, yes, it's been approved for a second printing. And and it was supposed to be ready March 10th, which as I'm recording this is yesterday. And so I don't know if the date was was listed on wherever the bookstore was looking, but still a week, you're not sure if it's going to be shipped in time, who knows. And so I was like, a second printing. That's very cool. So it's been seven months. Um, you know, some books go into second printings really early because they sell millions of copies. But to get a second printing at all, I'm extremely, extremely happy about and very excited. I don't know exactly how large the initial print run was, but however many they originally printed, those sold and they had to print more. And it's just like, yay, <laughs> this feels very good. <sighs> so yes, that is my wonderful news for the week. Thank you to everyone who has purchased and read and recommended The Monsters We Defy. I see people talking about it a lot. I do feel like from my anecdotal evidence of being tagged in posts, it is getting a lot of attention. I'm seeing more book clubs reading it and people at libraries picking it up and just recommending it to people and talking about it. And that always feels really amazing. Word of mouth is always the best kind of marketing that you can have. And yeah, I'm I'm so grateful that people are enjoying this book. So my writing update, working on the next one in this vein for this publisher. Uh, the God of Silent Tears is going still well. I slowed down a little bit. My energy was a little bit flagging. I got to some parts that I wasn't sure about. I took a little extra time to review some things that I hadn't loved. And I think I improved it, some of the stuff I had been working on. 
yeah, so I was looking at the calendar this week and I was like, hmm, three weeks left. And then my editor emailed me. She's like, are we still on track for the deadline? And I was like, we'd be more on track if I could get an extra week. <laughs> and so we'll see. I, I will probably get that unless there is something crazy happening. But um, I'm basically just pushing it back five days. And I think that will just give me a little bit of a buffer. You know, I got some good work done today. I'm just going to be pushing and really trying to focus. Even as I say that, I know that I've been scattered and I wanted to talk a little bit about shiny object syndrome and just my mind being a little scattered. And I think just because I'm in the crux of it, like I emailed my my editor, I think I have about 30,000 words left to go between 30 and 40, like 30,000 new words and about 10,000 words to clean up that I'm bringing in from the, the previous draft. And totally doable, but I just want to make sure I'm not going to be hurting myself. You know, um, a writer friend of mine recently was in the hospital with not quite a stroke, like one of those, I think they call it a TIA. I might be wrong about that, but, you know, people, and I've, I've known several, like more than I can count on one hand, writers who have put themselves in the hospital and like, they're all okay at the moment, as far as I know. But yeah, it's difficult. And stress, stress is one of the worst things that you can do for your body. And we all undergo stress. And, you know, I've been talking the past few weeks about how I've been trying to manage it with exercise and meditation and tapping and all kinds of things. And I think it's going pretty well. I actually did finish listening to the episode of the Huberman Lab podcast. I think I mentioned it several weeks ago about breathing. It's like an hour. It's only an hour and a half. I think it's one of his shorter episodes. And he goes through all the kinds of sciencey stuff about breathing and different studies about how to reduce your stress via breathing. And there was a very good study that showed, I think it's called physiological size are a great way to immediately reduce stress. And what that is, if you don't want to listen to the entire hour and a half, although I will link to it in the show notes, is you take one deep breath and then immediately after take another short little breath, fill up your lungs entirely and then let it out slowly. So it's like, and ideally you're doing this through your nose. So yeah, long deep breath, tiny little short breath right on top of it, let it go. And I don't remember the sciencey stuff, but I think I originally heard him talking about that a while back on a different episode of the podcast. And in this episode, he kind of went way deep into details, which is fascinating, even though I don't remember any of it. <laughs> so yeah, breathing like that, uh, other kinds of breath work, stress, not trying to put myself in the hospital. So an extra five days is a nice little buffer. And I think it's it's it'll be an, enough time. Like I work pretty well to deadline. Deadlines are very good for me to have that point that I'm working towards, that I can focus on, you know, not having a deadline is sort of the kiss of death where self-imposed deadlines can be difficult. So the self-published stuff, that's all self-imposed until I book an editor or, you know, some other professional that I'm working with that I have to meet their deadline. So you can create deadlines and you can create accountability for yourself using accountability partners and things like that. And those things are definitely always helpful whatever kind of external force, even if it's a friend who I know is going to be checking in with me and I don't want to disappoint either them or myself. But at the same time, deadlines are tough. Feeling like I have a little bit of a buffer, like I'm still going to try to hit the original date. And what I was afraid of is not being able to have time after that to actually read the book over in its entirety. So we'll see. 
I did get a little bit stuck uh, this week, like I mentioned, or did I mention that? I don't remember. And I used uh, one of my decks of cards, my story cards. I have two different kinds of story uh, inspiration or story prompting cards. One is called Story Forge. The other one is called the Story Engine. So I pulled out the Story Engine cards, and they are five little decks with different uh, topics, essentially, that you do a spread and they give you the instructions. On. And it just using randomness to tease stuff out of your subconscious. Some people do this with tarot. There is a whole course, and I think I actually bought a book about how using tarot for this. But this, the story-specific cards give you some meat, even though you have to then interpolate and you know take what they're giving you and apply it to your own story, which works. And it, I think that it really triggers my my subconscious into finding these connections and digging out things that were back there, deep back there. Like my my brain has already figured the story out. Is sometimes this is just a matter of me knowing what my subconscious mind already knows. So I had been working on these interstitials, which I talked about before, coming from this magical character. And they're still giving me a little bit of trouble. Although I did write two or three of them this week, and I feel pretty decent about that. And it's because I did the story engine. So for example, I did a prompt and what came across the different cards. So like there's a card for characters, there's a card for conflict, there's a card for, it's basically adjectives about the character and, you know, the different types. So what I pulled, and I put a, a photograph of this in the show notes. So this is what the the cards gave me. A passionate stand-in wants to heal or fix a facility. And then I pulled another card that says a tunnel because I didn't like facility. But it will mean taking on a debt they cannot pay. And I was like, hmm, that actually kind of works for the main plot line of the book, even though it doesn't really seem like that. But I recognize that. Like my subconscious was like, okay, we have this stand in and that connected to something. Like all those things kind of connect in a way. So I did another spread for this interstitial. And initially I got an elegant kingpin wants to abandon a fortune, but it will cost them their soul. And then there's another spread you can add on to the initial spread, which is called a a circle of fate. So it the initial spread is like one story seed. It has a character with a goal and a sacrifice. In the circle of fate, you're pitting two characters against each other. So adding on to that, an elegant kingpin wants to abandon a wounded guide, but it will cost them their soul. A wounded guide wants to unravel the mystery of the elegant kingpin, but they will have to try something frightening and new. Sounds crazy, I know. But this process did help me to spark something and I started writing afterwards and it gave me good words. So what can I tell you? This sort of random combination of Mad Libs-esque word salads that your mind is trying to find a connection, it can find a connection and that can spark other ideas. So I liked it, worked for me. We have success. We have another few thousand words. I don't know about the word count because I dragged in a bunch of old words that I haven't touched just to make myself feel better about the word count. Like I know I have to go back in and fix them. But so now we're at like 62,000 words, including these words that aren't clean, but it's like a little psychological trick that made me feel better. The other thing that I I got from my editor when she checked in about the deadline was a little (laughs) sentence that was like, and by the way, have we talked about the title? And I was like, no, but I'm guessing that means you're not a fan. (laughs) So my streak of having 
the titles I chose be the final titles and not be changed. It might be at an end. We're going to have a conversation about the title. God of Silent Tears may not be long for this world in terms of the title for this book. I still love it, but, you know, I'm sure she has some reasoning behind it. Or maybe it's like sales or someone else just not really feeling that title, which would be sad. But I kind of been expecting one of these days, my title is not going to fly. And I know many authors, most authors have to change and tweak them based on publisher feedback. So stay tuned. We will see what it ends up being. But yeah, in terms of the shiny object syndrome, which is when you're doing something and everything else in the world looks more interesting. Today I was writing and I was like, I should really change my author logo, you know, <laughs> like out of the blue, out of nowhere. I could do this. I could design a new logo um, or find a designer to do a new logo. And this would be extra tasks I do not have time for, energy, money. I like my logo, but also... I'm not sure it fits and it's still El Penelope and I have to figure out, do I want a logo that is both, you know, I'm publishing as Leslie Penelope and El Penelope. I don't know. It's not anything that, that requires my brain space now, but my brain wants to cleave to this just like it wants to go to, okay, what kind of graphics and videos can I design to promote the course? Because I need to promote the course. I have not really been <laughs> promoting the course aside from messages in my newsletter and it being the sponsor of the podcast now. I know I need to do marketing, but I'm very overwhelmed. And I think until this book is done, my my bandwidth for other things is going to be minimal. And I have to really, to really pay attention to that. I think there's an article I'm putting in the footnotes newsletter about opportunity cost. And it was a great, it was a great video that came right on time. It was about, can I squeeze this in? And I'm always like, oh, I can squeeze that in. That'll only take an hour. And that'll only take an hour. And I can do that. And I can say yes to that. And then it comes to it. And I'll have a week like this week where every day I have something. I'm teaching a workshop. I have three different interviews this week on different days. I have an event, you know, and none of them are things that I don't want to be doing. They're all things I think will be beneficial. This is why I agreed to do them. I have three essays to write. I think one of them is due in a week or two for different publications. And I'm just kind of starting to twitch as I think about all of the things that I've said yes to. 2023 was supposed to be the year of no, as I recall, although I conveniently forget this whenever anyone asks me to do anything. So anyway, all of these things at various times feel more interesting than the thing that I'm supposed to be doing, which is sometimes writing the book, and sometimes is doing website work, which I've also said yes to some things that I did not have time for. And another reason why I am a little overwhelmed and I'm feeling like, you know, even things that t only take an hour, maybe the actual activity takes an hour, but ramping up, thinking about it, it pulls energy away and I can feel that happening. And I have to be very mindful of that and do better in the future, you know, just commit to myself to do better and not try to squeeze so much in or just space things out more. I don't know. I don't really have a strategy yet. I've just identified the problem. I have to come up with some solutions. The other thing is things come up and I'm like, oh, that's a great idea. Like I saw this video about squeezing things in and the it's by um, someone I follow. Her name is Tara McMullen. She's been on the Joanna Penn podcast before. And she was talking about, oh, she's 
I think in her newsletter about making more video essays. And she linked to this video about video essays. And I was like, I want to make video essays. When do I have time to do this? I don't know. But I have a whole film degree. I used to be a professional editor. You do not see any of those editing skills at play anywhere in the podcast, even in the course. I'm just doing hard cuts because I did make the determination that I wasn't going to spend an inordinate amount of time editing things. But now it's like that part of me wants to come out and I'm looking at these video essays and I'm thinking, can I do that? What can I do it on? Wouldn't that be cool? But Leslie does not have time for this anytime soon. And I was like looking at the stock video site because I had a subscription for a while and I canceled it because I wasn't using it. I had gotten a subscription to the stock video site to do book trailers. And, you know, many years ago was the last time I did a book trailer. I did one for, I think, Angelborn or Angelfall. I don't know that I've done one since then. And I didn't keep the subscription for that long, but I, I had actually gotten it for a month for a, a reason that I made sure to cancel it. I was like, oh, it's not that much money. I could get this subscription to this stock footage and just do these. Ed-. It's just me going down crazy rabbit holes because I've got shiny object syndrome because I'm coming to the hard parts of this book or I'm feeling, it's not even that hard. It's like, I just have to do the work and there's some resistance happening and maybe it's story resistance. And that's kind of what I was dealing with this week, like reviewing, taking more time to look at what I'd done and just proof it, make sure I feel good about it, change some things. But yeah, that's what happens in that vein. I've also somewhat revived my Tumblr, but I think it's just another way. Hopefully it's not procrastination. It's It was really just to capture some thoughts that I had that I didn't know what, where else to put. So I read this article about Seth Godin and who is this marketing guru. He blogs literally every day and he has for 20 years. I read a post about him and a post about Derek Sievers, who also, I think, blogs every day and has this elaborate note-taking system, which I don't know if that post is going to be in footnotes this week. Maybe I'll put it in next week, but I will put it in the show notes. And I was like, I can't blog every day. I can't blog at all. Like Blogging doesn't work for me, like long posts. I can't even keep a diary every day. It's too much. But I have been collecting everything that I read just about in my second brain. So in my Notion database, I will quickly clip, I'll use the Notion Web Clipper, which is a Chrome extension that when I'm reading an article of interest to me and I want to keep track of it, I put it in the database. So I just clip it with the Notion Web Clipper, which automatically saves it into this database. I usually go through and tag it with like categories, like this is about creativity or health and wellness or marketing, business, whatever. It's got tags and categories. And then if I want to put it in the footnotes newsletter, or talk about it on the podcast, potentially, I will make a little note about my impressions of the article and how I want to summarize it. It takes a little bit of work away from when I'm compiling the newsletter each week. One of the tips I got from either Seth Godin or Derek Savers, I do not remember at this point, was about this idea of blogging or diary. I think it was the Derek Savers article about keeping a diary every day. And knowing that's not something that I can do, it's not practical for me, And then I was thinking, but I do have thoughts about these articles, and they're not all going to make it into the newsletter. And I want to capture them publicly, like I could put them just in my database, but it might be nice to have them elsewhere. And then I was thinking, eventually, I might want to add like a premium level to the footnotes newsletter. It'll always be free the way it is, but is there some way that I could add value and have a premium subscription? 
And then I was thinking about the video essays and then the blogging. And I was like, well, I can put it on Tumblr, like these little micro thoughts about what I'm reading. And that is a public venue, even though it's not really linked anywhere, but you can find it linked on my website. I'm not going to promote it or anything. And then I'll see if this is something that I do naturally and can keep up with, then maybe eventually I can think about writing some longer form or shorter form extra essays for the newsletter. So this is the entire thought process as um, chaotic as it is. My mind is just chaos. And I'm not sure that I have the bandwidth for any sort of premium level to the pod, uh, to the, the newsletter. But I was thinking, yeah, there's things I talk about here completely off the cuff because I do not write down what I talk about here. <laughs> that is very obvious. But I could do a more organized, like formal sort of write down things in a post that goes on the footnotes newsletter, which is on Substack now. And I, maybe twice a month, you'd get extra posts if you're on the premium level. And so it's just a consideration. I don't know if I have the bandwidth. We'll see how the Tumblr goes. And if I can microblog about the things I'm learning and the things I'm thinking about in a more coherent way, that would give me the indication that it's something that I can do consistently for a premium level. So yes, we'll see how it goes. But the Seth Godin article also was really good because it got me thinking about the way I think about marketing. And I do not like marketing. I don't know that I'm very good at it. But if I think about marketing as selling things to people, I don't love that. You know, like, I got to sell books. That's why we're here. what I'm here for. I like buying books. And I would like knowing that books I might be interested in exist. So selling them to people is a service. And sort of framing it as sharing things that will help people is better than framing it as selling things to people, you know. And sharing things that will help people is something that I can get behind because I do a lot of that already. And some of these things are going to cost money because everyone needs to eat, right? (laughs) So like, I have to change the way that I think about it, reframe it in a way that's more positive, and that feels like it's more helpful than, you know, buy this thing, buy my book, buy my course, buy, buy, buy. Like, here's how it can help you. Are you having a problem? Are you bored and want something cool to read? Well, I've got some books that might help with that. And framing it in that way, which, you know, people talk about and I've heard before and I've thought about before, but this was just another good reminder of that and helped me put it back into perspective. So I'm trying to hold that and think about that moving forward with how I speak about my work and the things that I'm doing as really as the desire to help people and let them know about something that could be beneficial for them. And recommendations, um, the HB90 Bootcamp is open for enrollment until March 19th, 2023. This is the course on planning, planners, organizing, scheduling, really helpful. It happens every quarter. I love it. Um, I'm an affiliate for the course. So if you'd like to sign up or learn more about it, uh, lpen.co slash hb90. Link is in the show notes. Also, I wanted to give a shout out to a listener, Maxine. Thanks so much for commenting. Her comments are joyful and they are just bright in my day. So I really appreciate that. If you would like to comment, you can do so on YouTube. You can do it on my website. And yeah, I appreciate getting them. And I love to know that you are listening and that things resonate with you. So thank you. And that is it for me this week. Uh, My goals for the coming week, write, 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 do all the writing. And apparently all the interviews and events and whatever else I'm doing this week, it's going to be, it's going to be wild. 
And I will talk to you next week. I hope that you have a wonderful week. For episode show notes and to sign up for the Footnotes newsletter, get the show notes in your inbox. Go to myimaginaryfriends.net. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and watch the video episodes on YouTube. You can email me at podcast at lpenelope.com. I would really appreciate a rating and review to help support the show. And My Imaginary Friends is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. For more fantastic podcasts, go to frolic.media.